You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Gospel of Luke, Jesus for All, we walk through Luke's account of the life and ministry of Christ. Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read and pray, and I'm sure you're wondering how I'm going to connect that clip to today's sermon. Luke 13, beginning in verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. And you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you talked in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Will you pray with me? Father, I just ask for your word to seek into our hearts today. Lord, he's... Where you are asking a very pertinent question to every single one of us. This person from the crowd is asking a very pertinent question. Who's going to be in the kingdom? Who's going to be out of the kingdom? Lord, it's, it's very serious. Because if we miss the narrow door, then we miss out on eternal life. So, Lord, I pray today as we walk through this passage, Lord, that we would be honest with ourselves to see if we do know Jesus or if we just know about him. And maybe you're here and you're just seeking and trying to figure it out, and that's wonderful. We're going to point you to the right door today. Lord, I pray for those that know that they know that they know, Lord, that they would rejoice, that you keep them, and that they would strive hard, Lord, to finish out their salvation. Lord, we just thank you for all this. We ask for your help today. In Jesus' name, amen. So in a 2022 State of Theology survey performed by Legionnaire Ministries, listen to some of these things that they found. 56% of evangelicals believe God accepts the worship of all religions. In other words, the God of the Bible, more than half of evangelicals say that he just accepts whatever religion's out there. In other words, you got to think what they're thinking here, how do you get to heaven, right? It's interesting that they take a biblical concept and think that you can go at it from all these different angles because heaven is very biblical. We're not finding it in any other religion. Maybe some allusions to it here and there, but the heaven of the Bible. 
So 56% of evangelicals believe God accepts the worship of all religions. 43% believe Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. What are we teaching? 38% said religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. It's just whatever I believe is right. It's not about an objective truth that we find from the Word of God. It's interesting, you might think that, oh, that's 2022, okay, a lot of things have happened, we're becoming more secular in the West. 16 years ago, Pew Research did a study asking if Jesus is the only way to heaven. 70% of all Americans believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. Now, this is Americans versus professing evangelicals, which hopefully are, should be professing Christ, but obviously we're seeing that they're probably not. 65% of all self-identifying Christians believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. So really, it might be getting a little bit better. 56% of all evangelical Christians believe that there are many paths other than faith in Christ to God and eternal life. 56%. Door after door, religion after religion, which one will you choose to enter? I mean, the consensus is there is no need to worry about your choice of religion because they all teach the same thing anyway, right? Open any door you like and you will get to heaven. Because see, that's what's driving us and that's what God put in our hearts when he created us, this longing for this broken eternity that we should be living in today. And that's why we go and we worship all these other things that the created things of the world. We're back to Romans 1, but they never fulfill. So we're always looking for that. Open any door you like, and you will get to heaven, is what we're being told. This is the way many people think about religion. Maybe most people, they see it as a personal preference that makes no ultimate difference. But is that really true? Is that really true? And what hangs on that truth, whether or not that statement is true or false? It is truly the case that all doors, is it truly the case that all doors lead to heaven? What if the other doors do not lead anywhere at all? Or even worse, if they lead you straight to hell? What if there's only one doorway that leads to salvation, one portal to the glory of God? What if it happens to be such a small door that many people miss it? What if that door will not stay open forever, but will soon close firmly shut, leaving people outside in eternal darkness? Sully had thousands of doors to choose from, but only one door will lead to Boo's room. Only one door leads to Boo's room. Only one. Jesus Christ said there is only one narrow door that leads to eternal life, and that we need to make sure we enter that door while we still have time. So as we pick up our time in the book of Luke, the scene has changed. Jesus is no longer in the synagogue. He is now on the move. He's moving town to town. His face is set towards Jerusalem. His face is set towards the cross. 
We pick up in verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, we don't know much about the person that's asking the question. We do know in the first century that the people worshipped many gods, just like today. Religious was very pluralistic, like there's many gods, many paths to get to um, eternity or whatever you want to define that is. We can assume that if the person was Jewish, then he was taught that most of the Gentiles will perish because they're not Jewish. Or maybe this person is asking this question because many who rejected Jesus along his journey to Jerusalem. Like maybe this person has been tagging along with Jesus as he's been walking from town to town to town. And, and he's asking this question. He's seeing all these people that Jesus does these miracles and he, and he heals people and he casts out demons and he proclaims that he is the Messiah and people just walk away. And so maybe he's thinking, Lord, is it just few that will be saved? Is it just few that will be saved? Although we may not know exactly why this person asked the question, the question a man asks is important for us all. It is important for every single one of us. It is important because it has to do with the plan of salvation, with God's intention for lost humanity. Here we come face to face to what Jesus taught us a couple weeks ago. I came not to bring peace, but division. Meaning that everybody on this planet, every human being that's ever been born, has to decide something about who Jesus is and what he taught. Every one of us have to do that. He is about to teach something that will divide. It is very exclusive in nature, which is the double-edged sword we have to live out as Christians in a pluralistic society. A society who pushes hard for everyone to be inclusive. But here we have, just like much of Jesus' teaching, a very exclusive statement. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, most people probably assume that he would answer that only few would be Saved because, after all, only Jews would be saved, right? That is not the way that Jesus answered. However, in fact, Jesus really never answered the question. He does this often, doesn't it? Like, I'm looking through this again. I was like, okay, how did he answer it? How did he answer it? And yet again, I know as we've been walking through Luke, he often doesn't answer the question. He goes to, you know, the people. He turns his heart to care for the people. He turns his heart to care for those that are listening and those that are around him. I mean, if he would have answered it directly, he might have answered it as he did in Matthew seven thirteen through 14, which reads, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. How many people enter the wide gate that leads to death? Many people. How many find the narrow way to life? Only a few. But the Gospel of Luke has a different emphasis from Matthew. Although Jesus certainly implied that only a few people would be saved, his main concern was for the salvation of those who were listening. It's like, good question, but 
let me make sure that you're good. Look at what he said again. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Rather than trying to figure out what God will do with somebody else, the most important question for me to address is my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I certain that I have walked through the door that leads to eternal life? Do I know for sure that I will be saved? Whether God saves many or only a few, the important thing for me is to make sure that I have eternal life. As he is speaking in this room, yes, obviously our mission is to go and tell the good news of the gospel, but first, he's challenging us. Look at your life today. The Greek word for strive is a word for intense exertion, like the effort it takes to train for an athletic competition. As a point of comparison, the English word agonize comes from the same Greek root. So it's this agonizing that you're making sure that you're going through the correct door, the small door that leads to eternal life. Jesus said we need to make every possible effort to enter the narrow door that leads to salvation. Now, this does not, of course, neglect what uh, Nate was talking about or what the Bible teaches that we can never be saved by our own efforts. The Bible is clear that salvation is by grace, not works, so that God will receive all the glory, so that he will receive all the glory. But until we have entered salvation, until we have received the assurance of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, we need to be striving to understand the gospel. Remember, brothers and sisters, that our salvation has, it moves. It's a moving thing. Yes, we are secure in Christ. Like we have been saved. We are being saved and one day we will be saved. Right? It's a process. Are you striving for that salvation? Are you following the narrow path? Have you entered the narrow door? Are we seeking to follow his commands? Are we seeking to love others? Now we know, just in our everyday lives, that this narrow door leads to fullness. And this is what Jesus is trying to show us, that this narrow door leads to fullness of life, which he's also obviously pointing to eternity, to eternity with him. But we know that the narrow door leads to fullness. It's, it's some things that we've done in our life that shows us that. I can, I can give you an example. Like if, if you're going to go and become a doctor, it's going to take 12, 15 years of schooling walking the narrow door in order to accomplish the fullness of being a doctor. I've witnessed that personally with my brother for 12 or 15 years. All he did was study and work. That's what he did. Very narrow door. I'm sure there's many times his want to, didn't want to. And then he had family. Then he had kids. But it was a very narrow door. I mean, it's the same way like if, if you wanted to be a, a great musician, right? It's, it probably takes eight to ten hours of practice a day, every day, in order to become a worldwide great musician. That's a narrow path. A narrow path. And we see this with athletes and their commitments to training. 
That is the narrowness. But it's the only way to fullness and freedom. And it's just trying to have our minds think about what Jesus is saying here, how his path is, is narrow that leads to fullness and freedom of eternal life. In the area of most importance, our relationship with God, our soul's prosperity is the same. It's the same. Why is it so narrow? Why does this have to be so narrow? Why isn't it that it could be all these different religions and all these different ways? Well, because the problem is so narrow. Because salvation demands it. Something has to be done about the great burden of our sin. We need a perfect sacrifice to atone for all the wrong things that we have done and a perfect holiness to make us righteous before God so that we could enter in to heaven, draped with Christ's righteousness like a robe as we put our faith in him and walk the narrow road. The only place to find that sacrifice is at the cross, and the only person who has the perfect holiness is the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is only through Jesus that we can enter salvation. He is the only gateway to eternal life. As Jesus said himself, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And John Bunyan's wonderful analogy, just to kind of give us a, a, a word picture, Pilgrim's Progress, he tells how a man named Christian left the city of destruction to look for eternal life. One of the first people he met was a man named Evangelist, who told him how to begin his pilgrimage. Evangelist pointed to a gate, and he told Christian to go and knock on it for further instructions. When Christian reached the gate and started knocking, he suddenly became afraid that his sins would keep him out. May I now enter here, he wondered. Will he within open to sorry me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? When someone came to answer his knock, Christian said, Here is a poor, burdened sinner. That's how he described himself. I come from the city of destruction, but I am going to Mount Zion, that I may be delivered from the wrath to come. I would therefore, sir, since I am informed that by this gate is the way thither, know if you are willing to let me in. This is the burdened cry of every sinner. Will God really let someone like me enter the one narrow door for salvation? The answer is yes, as Christian discovered. Jesus answers our prayers for mercy and grace. He not only shows us the door, but by faith he lets us in so that we can live with him forever. If the door of salvation is so narrow, it is not surprising that some people never enter. And I think the biggest mistake that we do as Christians, and sometimes as churches, is, is we always take salvation as a point in time instead of over a lifetime, right? Yes, we look back and we look for signs and we look for fruit of a changed heart, of being born again. And then we continue to look at that fruit. If you think of the, the parable of all the different soils, right? Some grow up and they, they last for a while. Some last longer, some last even longer. But ultimately, all those were falling away, but there's one who trusts till the end. 
So I know, brothers and sisters, that we have loved ones that maybe sprouted a root and they, and they looked like Christians and they talked like Christians and, they, and we served with them and we did things with them and then they are not here or maybe they're in your family and they no longer, they're wayward children or what have you. But remember, their story isn't done yet. Their story isn't done yet. Salvation. Although we can completely be assured in our salvation, we are striving at the, at the narrow path through the narrow door of what the Bible says as, as we eagerly wait for the time when Christ returns or we take our last breath and enter heaven through Christ. Salvation is an ongoing process. Only in the sense that one day the sin will be completely removed. The penalty of sin is gone. The power of sin is gone. And one day the presence of sin will be gone. It'll be gone. What is surprising is that some who never enter have every expectation of getting in. And this is really what Jesus is pushing at. He's pushing at the one, and that's, that's why I kind of was trying to start by saying, okay, you're sitting here today. You need to take inventory. Because this is what Jesus is trying to do, is to get you to take inventory. Do you truly trust in him and him alone? Are you walking through the narrow door? Because there's many that we've bumped into over our time in the book of Luke, Pharisees and Sadducees, people that know a lot and they're missing the door because they rejected Jesus. Because they've rejected Jesus. And brothers and sisters, the easiest way and the most common way that we reject Jesus is we're worshiping an idol. We're worshiping something that is created. We lift something that has been created by God for our good up to a level that is God and it controls our lives and that is the most common mistake that we have Jesus is just trying to pick our head up and and refocus us it's him it's only him and he's really talking to those that think they're in but they're really not because they're trusting in other things. They assume that God will let them in into his everlasting house, but eventually they will discover that they are badly mistaken. Jesus said, for many will seek to enter and will not be able. Jesus proceeded to describe what it is like to be excluded from the kingdom of God. It almost sounds like a parable, but Jesus was speaking directly to their situation. He says, pick it up in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourself cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling them about the final judgment. Notice that he is speaking to those who think they would be in and are not. 
Specifically, he is speaking about people who think that they are saved, especially among the religious people of his own day. Jesus has the Jews in mind because of the connection of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why he's saying that. They're who God made the covenant with and who are in the kingdom. So the person hearing this is saying, wait, I'm a descendant. My ethnicity gets me in. Jesus is saying, no, there is only one way in, and that is through faith. Paul tells us that. This is the scripture that Sam, well, not the scripture that Sam read, but alludes to it. Uh, Romans 4.13 says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It's through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the promise, which includes the Messiah, Jesus. We have a picture of those who thought they were in, but really they are not. And what will they experience? This is the frightening part. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping, this crying out and grief and gnashing of teeth and the fury that they're not in the kingdom when they think they should be there. These people should be included in those reclining at the table in the kingdom of God, but they are not. There will be many surprises in this end gathering. This is how Jesus ends his parable. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Some of us are going to get into the kingdom by the skin of our teeth. Others will be given greater rewards for their use of gifts and talents in this world. But remember that God's distribution, distributing of words in, in heaven will be according to his perfect wisdom and righteousness. There are many who receive honors now who will barely make it into the kingdom. And there are those who are completely unknown in this world, but they serve God faithfully. And when we, the gates of heaven open, we will see them sitting at the honored seats at the banquet table of God. Those saints who know Jesus well, who read their Bible often, who follow what it commands and love others well. They'll be sitting at the seats of honor. So now as I am reading this passage, hearing Jesus' warning, I am asking myself, what is the difference between someone who is in and who is out? What is the difference between someone who is in and who is out? Jesus gives us the answer. He says it twice. He says, I do not know where you come from. He said that twice. Which is another way to say, I do not know you. I do not know you. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know Jesus today? Do you know him theologically? Do you know him as God theologically? The Nicene Creed says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Do you know him as God? Do you believe that he was truly God? And it was him who for us and our salvation came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit, became incarnate by the Virgin Mary, and was made truly human. Fully God, fully man, one person with two natures. This is Jesus. 
Do you know him today? Do you know him biblically? The Bible is a story of God's glory and grace that stretches centuries and cultures, all pointing to and holding to the definitive witness of Jesus. It's pointing to the witness of Christ, who is the Word of God made flesh, John 1.14 tells us. It's the Word of God made flesh. The Bible also tells us he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1.3. The Bible says that he's the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, Revelations 13.8, in whom all the fullness of deity is pleased to well, dwell, Colossians 2.9, who upholds the universe by the word of the power, Hebrews 1.3. Jesus reminded his disciples that everything written about him in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, Luke 24. Peter said that God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, Acts 3.18. Paul said that the gospel mystery of Jesus was made known through the prophetic writings, Romans 16. From Genesis to Revelation, the book is about Jesus. That's the point of the Redeemer mentioned in Genesis 3, that who would come to crush the serpent's head, Genesis 3.15. That's why God promised Abraham that through his offspring, all the people of the earth would be blessed, Genesis 12. That's why he told Moses that there would be a prophet like him who would rise up in Israel and speak his word, Deuteronomy 18.15. That's why God told David that he would have a son who would be enthroned as king forever, 2 Samuel 7.16, and a king to whom Solomon still looked and prophets eagerly proclaimed. Do you know this, Jesus And finally, do you know Jesus personally? The uncreated son is the one who saved us. The suffering servant is the one who suffered for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. He's the priest who is praying for us right now, who knows all of my failings and weaknesses, and who never tires to plead for me. If we know him personally, he is not just the Jesus of theological categories or the Bible's testimony. He is Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus, our Savior. I plead with you today to heed the warning of those who do not know him. Do not find yourself as one who is looking in on the kingdom, weeping and gnashing your teeth. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation comes through the narrow door of knowing Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? And if you know him Will you rejoice with me in all that he has done as we turn to take communion to be reminded of exactly what he has done? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word. 
Lord, thank you for these warning passages. Lord, we know that the warning passages in the Bible are for the unbeliever and the believer alike. Because many times when we adhere to the warning passages, it shows that we are truly believing. Lord, I, I pray today if you're working in somebody's heart, Lord, that you will continue to show them who Christ is so they may repent and trust in you. That you would change their hearts so they can see Christ for who he is and they can put their full faith in their eternity in him. Lord, I pray that you would do that work. It's not a work of man convincing, pleading. It's a work of the Holy Spirit through your word. Lord, I pray that you would do that work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.